This morning, I would like to share with you on the theme, connecting with people. And I want to start by saying that there is nothing more important in life than connecting with people. You want to connect with your relatives. You want to connect with your family. You want to connect with the members of your church. You want to connect with your friends. Very, very important. But as a church, we must commit ourselves to connecting with each other. You are supposed, as a church, to connect with each other. Now, before ascending to heaven, Jesus Christ talked to his disciples. And he told them something very, very important. And he said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. From that scripture, to connect with the people, Jesus Christ places the responsibility to connect with the people to the hands of the disciples. And then he promises the Holy Spirit. The verse that we've read says he gave them the Holy Spirit. So why did he give them the Holy Spirit? Because he knew that for you to be able to connect with others, you need to be empowered. And you should be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he did not just leave them like that, that go and connect with the people, but he empowered them. So when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, in the scripture that we read in Acts, Peter and John were confronted with a situation that required them to connect with the lame man. I, I wanted to connect with you, that's why I was coming <laughs> closer to you. So I was saying that when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, that empowerment that I talked, the ability to be able to connect with people but with power and authority, Peter and John were confronted with a situation that required them to connect with the lame man at the gate of the temple known as the beautiful. I am not going into details of explaining what that meant, the gate, the beautiful gate, but I'm interested in the story of this lame man. And the Bible says they used to carry him every day, bringing him to the gate so that he can beg. So that was his work. Now, in Uganda, there are a lot of beggars. But sometimes people use them so that they can also benefit from them. So if it's a blind man begging, there's someone guiding him, holding the stick, guiding. So when he begs, then in the evening they will share. And sometimes because you're blind, you don't know what you collected in the day. Sometimes this man who is leading you ends up cheating you. I am not saying that this is what happened to this guy. But that was the idea. They would bring him there to lie 
so that he could beg. Now, Peter and John arrive. I am sure the beggar said yes. Now my help has come. Because when you see people coming, then you expect them to give you something. And then the Bible says Peter and John, they looked at him, they told him, look at us. He focused his eyes on them, hoping that they would give him something or money. And then Peter tells him that silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give it to you. Peter is able to connect with the lame man who has been there lying, helpless, and nobody managed to give him a solution to his problem. They only gave him handouts, which could not help him, which could not sustain his life. But now, he meets Peter, and then he gets that connection with Peter and a connection with God, and he is able to rejoice. The Bible says he went to the temple together with Peter and John, and he was jumping, and he was rejoicing and praising the Lord. When we help someone, when you help someone to connect with God, or when we connect with people, the result is joy. The result is praising the Lord. The result is jumping. So I am urging you this morning that it is our role to connect with people. Just like Peter and John did, we should be able to connect with people. Now, I want to give you this morning three important points on how we should connect with people. They will help you to connect with people. Number one, I want us to understand the word connect. What does it mean to connect? Miriam Webster says, to connect means to be joined, to become joined. To be joined together. So, when you connect with a person who is going through a challenge, who is going through a suffering, who is in need, you have, you have joined together with that person. He goes on ahead and says, to establish, to establish Rapport. The school pastor was here and he mentioned something that he's doing with the students. I think it was called Martin. Eh? He said, building a trust, building trust and relationships. Building a trust relationship. If you're a pastor or a leader in a church and you're counseling people, people come to you because they have problems. The first thing that you will think of is to build rapport so that you are able to connect with them. 
When you build that rapport, now the people have confidence to open up and share with you the challenges. Possibly the challenges that they wouldn't have shared with anybody. But because you were able to help them build, build that confidence that even if I share him my deepest secret, I share with him, he's not going to tell anybody. So it is important, even as we help people, as we connect with people, as we care for people, that we are able, first of all, to build what we call rapport. And then to establish a communication connection. If you want to connect with people, establish a communication connection. I didn't know that I was already connected with the church here. But when I came and I sat there, people would come and say, Samuel, welcome. How is Uganda? It is because a connection was there. A communication between Rome, Rope and Belikari was already existing. So Rope connected with this church. And then they were able again to connect me also to this church. Now I am able to stand before you because of the communication, because of the, the, the connection that, that existed between Rope and this church. So let's be careful as we connect with people to make sure that we establish communication. There should be communication and good communication. Point number two, I want to share with you the biblical examples on how we can connect with people. How do you connect with people? We connect with people so that we can engage with felt needs. And we saw that in Acts. We can, I want you to read, we didn't read this, but you can read in your own time. Acts chapter 4, verse 36 to 35. It talks about the early church and how they behaved in the church, how they treated others, how they were able to connect with one another from within the church. And the Bible says the believers were of one heart and one soul. And they had all things in common. They were sharing. You cannot connect without sharing with people. You have to share with them. There was no one among them who lacked. They sold their belongings and brought at the apostle's feet. They distributed to those in need. So no one among them lacked. Some people argue about the strategy that they use, but I've not come here to tell you to sell your house or to sell your car. But what you have, share with the person or your neighbor who is suffering. I'm not even talking about Uganda helping us, but I'm talking about you being able to share with your neighbor. 
who is suffering. I thought there are no beggars in the UK, but yesterday my friends took me to Oxford. I saw beggars. Yes, I am not trying to encourage you to that you go and help the beggars. Some of them are really strong and are able to support themselves. They are just they want to be they want to depend on others. But what about that neighbor? What about that widow who is struggling near you? What about that brother who is struggling to look for a job and is not getting the job? Why don't you share with him? So this is an encouragement to share. The Bible says they distributed to those in need. And if you read verse 33, you get the result of that sharing, the the result of that connection, the connection that was within the church. And the Bible says the power of, it talks about the power of their witness. When you connect with the people, the power of your witness will be seen. The numbers will come to this church. The church will grow because you are able to connect with the people. It will not be difficult for you to share the gospel because they see that love and care in your church. It will draw the neighbors to come to this church. And I'm hoping you're sharing. So continue sharing. And then the Bible talks about great grace upon them all. There was great grace upon them all. The grace that made them to be compassionate to each other. The grace that made them available to respond to any need from within themselves. And this is what the Bible is calling us to do if we want to connect with people. Connecting with people by sharing our gifts and journeying with each other, that is what I'm going to, I want us to look at again. The first thing here is connecting with people to engage with felt needs. And then secondly, connecting with people by sharing our gifts and journeying with each other. And the example is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. He talks, Paul talks about the Macedonian church. And he talks about the Macedonian church, but the focus is on the Corinthian church. He's telling them, look at the example of the Corinthians. In their trial, in their deep poverty, they were able to contribute to support the church in Jerusalem. Remember, at this time, Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem were going through a trial, a lot of famine, and they were helpless. So Paul was making an appeal. But now, the Corinthians were reluctant. They had started this project, but it stalled on the way. They didn't finish it. They were supposed to complete their contribution so that their help reaches the suffering church in Jerusalem. So Paul is telling them, look at the Corinthians, I mean, the Macedonian churches. 
out of their poverty, out of their trial. Meaning, the Macedonians were able to give despite the fact that they were also poor. They were able to give. Now, there is a tendency within us Africans to think that when you are poor, you are not supposed to give. But even a poor man is supposed to give. And that's why we are asking our farmers to tithe back. That's why when we are giving them groundnuts, we tell them it's a revolving groundnut project. You have to give us back so that it can be given to others. And people have learned this, and they are able to share. So in the same way, Mana, Paul is telling the Corinthians, look at your brothers, the Macedonians, the next door, how they have supported the people who are suffering in Jerusalem, your brothers in Jerusalem who are going through the trial. So he encouraged them to give, but using the example of the Macedonian church. And the Bible says, their grace abounded. They became compassionate. And because they were willing to help the church in Jerusalem. They were able to connect with the church in Jerusalem. And the Bible talks about the fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. Fellowshipping together. And I want to talk about fellowshipping. Because of your giving, you are able to fellowship with the people of Uganda. I saw the pastor, I saw people contributing. Through that contribution that you're going to make, you are able to fellowship with the people who are suffering. Not only in Uganda, but through all the projects that Rob supports. And this is what Paul was telling the Corinthians, that look at the Macedonians. Through their giving, they are able to fellowship with the church in Jerusalem. And that's what we are called to do. The secret of the Macedonian church churches is that, you find this in chapter 8, verse 5, the secret of the Macedonians was that, The Bible says they first gave themselves to God, or they gave themselves to God first. And I want to tell you that before you start giving, before you start connecting with people, first make sure that you connect with God. First connect with heaven. Sometimes we are good in giving. We are good in giving, but we have not built a personal relationship with God. So there is a disconnect. So I want you to think about that. The Bible says the Macedonians, the first thing they did was to connect with God. That was the first thing. For to them, that was the most important thing, giving themselves to God. And then when you give yourself to God, then now you begin connecting with people. You begin helping people because you have a relationship with God, a relationship that is good. The secret again, the Bible says, they and their possessions became the Lord's property. 
These people, their bodies became a property of God. And then their possessions also became a property of God. Once that happens, once you become a property of God, and once everything you have in your house becomes a property of God, then begin giving. Because otherwise, you will not be helping. You will be helping, but you will not be addressing a specific need. So the Corinthian church is told to copy the example of the Macedonians. And Paul encouraged them to continue the project that they had started, but somehow because of the problems that the problems in that church at that time, they stalled, they stopped. So Paul is telling them, you began it, so now complete. But look at your neighbors, the churches in Macedonia. That's what they did. They started and they finished. I want us to go to the last point. The challenges involved in connecting with people. And one challenge is the challenges involved in connecting with people. And I want to tell you that they are challenges as we connect with people, as you care with people, as you help people, there are challenges that you are bound to face. I have worked with people. I have worked with the, the refugees. I have worked with many people. But I've, I've faced a lot of challenges. And I'm sure even this church must have faced a challenge. Or in future, you will face a challenge. So how do you address those challenges? Challenge number one is failure to connect with the real needs. Are you connecting with the real need? Jesus connected with real needs. John chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. The story of the man at the pool of Bethesda who had an infirmity for eight years. Now, there was this man. He's lying there, helpless. There is no one to help him. And before he realizes people are there already. And you are supposed to jump in, but because he's very weak, he cannot jump into the pool and then get healed. And then Jesus, look at the question that Jesus asked him. Hmm? He's lying there helpless. Then Jesus asks a question. I know, maybe if to you, you would not ask that question. Because you know that I am very sick. I need help. Then you come and say, do you want help? That is exactly what Jesus did. Do you want to be made all? Do you want me to help you? Why did he do that? Because sometimes we help people that are not supposed to be helped. The man said, oh, but there is no one. He, was, he didn't answer the question directly. If, if to me, I would have said, yes, I want to be healed. But he said, oh, but there is no one to. 
then Jesus is able to connect with this man and address the real need. And then he tells him to get up. And then the man leaves carrying his belongings. That is what God is calling us to do, to connect with real needs. Jesus and his fellow Jews, Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Now, the Jews had seen Jesus doing a lot of miracles. And to them, they started ignoring him. So when they saw him doing a lot of miracles, they said, isn't this the son of Joseph the carpenter? That we know here. And that familiarization with Jesus made them to miss Jesus' favor. They, they looked at Jesus and they saw, they saw and they said, this is just somebody around. We see him always, the, the, the son of the carpenter. So we don't care about him. Then Jesus, instead, the Bible says, he healed a few people. But he moved somewhere. And that is where he did a lot of miracles. Simply because these people thought Jesus was just an ordinary man around the familiarization. The idea is we should connect with real needs. And the mistake again, the challenge is connecting with people who are not willing to do what it takes to get it. Remember the story of the dilemma about paying taxes and a coin in the mouth of the fish in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Now, the disciples, as they were moving around, meet these people who were collecting taxes. And then they ask them a question, just a simple question. How about your master? Does he also pay taxes? Now, because they were puzzled, they feared what is going to happen. It seems these people, there is a problem now. We are not able to pay taxes. And yet the law says we should pay taxes. Then they go to Jesus. Oh, we, this is what we found. These people were asking us whether we, we also pay taxes. You know the story, so I don't want to finish that story. But the idea is, sometimes people want the coin, but they don't want to do the fishing. So Jesus tells them that go there and throw the net. You'll throw, what is this that you use for? How is it called? Yeah, there is a net, but there is this one which is, you put a hook, throw a hook, then catch a fish. In the mouth, there is a coin. Get that coin and then go and pay our taxes. Pay for mine also. And then pay yours also. So the idea that this is something that I want you to learn. Sometimes people want the coin. So as we help them, we need to be very, very careful. Not to be giving the coin, but teaching them to go out and fish so that they are not dependent on the church all the time. And that's the problem we have in Africa. 
All the time people are doing this. Give, give, give. Yes, you're giving them, but you're giving them handouts. You are not addressing the real need. Because the real need is for them to get out of that poverty so that they don't come back to you and ask for help. So that should be the focus. And the challenge is even the disciples didn't know that it's good for them to do something to generate income and be able to pay their taxes. So Jesus teaches them a lesson that if you don't go and fish, you are not going to get the coin. So they had to go and fish. Another challenge, connecting with people who are not open to receive from you. Sometimes you, we think, we assume that, oh, these people, this, this person here needs my help. Let me help. How sure are you that he wants your help? How sure are you that he needs your help? And many times I have worked with people, and that's the challenge I've, I have met. Many times I have helped people who don't need my help. And once that happens, we are not helping. I want to give you an example. And it's in Matthew chapter 10, verse 11 to 16. Now, here, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to ministry, to go for ministry. He had been with them. He taught them. He allowed them to learn from him. But time came, he wants, them to, send, I mean, he wants to send them out so that they can connect with people. Now, Jesus did not leave them just like that. Number one, he gave them a message. Go and preach about the kingdom. And then number two, he gave, gave them a strategy. Go two by two. So that is a strategy. Then number three, he gave them a perspective that as you go, make sure that you are ready. Because out there, you are going to meet with wolves. So Jesus warns them. These people are going to meet rejection. And once you are rejected, if a person you are trying to help rejects you, you are going to develop bitterness. And once you develop bitterness then it's going to affect the way you support others. And Jesus told them clearly, if you go to a house, if they welcome you, leave your peace there. But if you go to a house or to a village and they don't welcome you, why did Jesus say? Return back your peace. Sometimes we've held people, but we've left our peace with them because they were the wrong people. There were people that you're not supposed to help. So you've left your peace there. And then you realize that they never deserved your help. And then that thing is going to haunt you. And once it starts disturbing you and you develop, develop bitterness, then it's going to affect the way you are going to help others. I was reading this verse and I was wondering, why did Jesus... Tell them that, oh, if you are rejected, dust off your feet. I don't want to go into that, but I just want to give my thoughts what I thought. 
by dusting, to me personally, not the original meaning of that, but to me, dusting off your feet means leave that rejection there and then move on. Let it not affect the way you relate to others. Let it not affect the way you are going to connect with people who are in the next village. And sometimes maybe, maybe this church has supported a, a, a project, maybe somewhere. And then you realize that money has been embezzled. There are no results. You visit the project, you see that, oh, this was a total mess. And then that develops in you. So the committee or the missions committee will say, no, 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 no. We supported a similar project in Tanzania. Now this one is coming from Uganda. These guys are going to behave exactly the way those people did. So you should be able to know how to deal with the rejection. Maybe you're having a, a challenge in your house. Someone you're, going, you're trying to help. Maybe a drug addict. Your son is on drugs. And then you're trying to help him. You're trying but is not responding the way you're supposed to, you, you wanted him, and then possibly goes out there and paints a different picture of the mother who is helping him in the family. Are you going to say, oh, 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 now, since you're behaving like that, I should stop. So I am encouraging you this morning that we are bound to face challenges as we connect with the people. But when you face those challenges, don't allow that bitterness to stop you from supporting others. Move to another village and don't move with that rejection. Don't move with that bitterness. And treat them as a different people, as a different village. If we do that, then we'll be able to connect with people. I've been sharing with you this morning on the subject connecting with people. And I started by defining the word connect. Then after that, you're racing up to one. <laughs> okay. After that, I talked about the examples on how we can connect with people. And I used examples from scripture on how various people were able to connect with people to be able to help them. And then lastly, I talked about the challenges involved in connecting with people. I am encouraging you now, as you go back home, begin connecting with the people. Don't connect with your family alone. Connect with the church. Connect with the community. Let's help people, but let's be very careful as we help people, so that we help the real need, those who are in real need. And then so that we are able to journey with them. If we help them, we are journeying with them. May God bless you so much. And thank you for welcoming me to your church. Thank you, Ian. God bless you.